May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. If you've been around Trinity for a while, you may already know that my husband John and I served for seven years as missionaries in Central America and the Caribbean when we were newly married. Por eso somos hablé hispanos, that's why we're both Spanish speakers. What you may not know is that our two sons were born in Nicaragua and our older son spoke Spanish as his first language. I was reminded of this when my husband recently unearthed some ancient VHS tape and had it digitized. The camera had captured two-year-old Amos on the day that his brother Aaron was born. He looked miserable. Not only had Amos been unseated from his place of honor as the only child, his mother was preoccupied with this usurping infant and his father was wandering around the house with a giant black recording device like the size of a microwave, I think, affixed to his face. You remember how big they were, those early home cameras that you could insert an entire VHS tape into? John kept trying to explain the value of this distracting machine to a toddler. Totally unconvinced, Amos would scurry off to his mother, who was holding his brother, and then run back toward his camera-wielding father in tears. It was a world of hurt for the child. There was really no place to escape from the disappointment until until he noticed that the video camera that John was holding would shine a red light every time John started recording. And what happened as Amos, at the moment that Amos noticed that red light was a complete transformation. His teary face lit up in a broad smile and he excitedly deployed one of the few complete sentences he could say at the time. La luz, papa, la luz. The light, daddy. I see the light. We are all looking for the lights, aren't we? And that's as it should be because God's first act in creation was to Summon the light, light for the day and night skies, light to illuminate the obscurity, inner light, which is what the Quakers call that sacred aspect of ourselves. The Lord is my light and my salvation, said the psalmist. I am the light of the world, said Jesus. And when we find the light we are seeking, it changes everything. They had seen the star at its rising, those light-seeking wise people from the east, and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, the gospel said, they were overwhelmed with joy. It was like la luz, papa, la luz on first century steroids. The magi already understood that everything would be changed by the light they were following. They just had to get to where it was and give homage to the one illuminated by it. Unfortunately, their journey took them through some conflicted territory. 
Now, there are a whole host of peculiarities in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus and the involvement of these traveling wise people, and most especially in the way that their story has become mixed up with other birth narratives in popular culture. So the Gospel of Matthew doesn't actually say that there were three kings, and we don't know how much time passed between the sighting of the star and the Magi's arrival in Jerusalem. And King Herod was not known for his close relationship with the chief priests and scribes whom Matthew tells us he consulted with about the arrival of the Magi. But Herod's paranoid order to kill all children under two years of age suggests that the Magi had been traveling a long time, a journey of at least a year, This means that the wise men were surely not with the baby Jesus at the same time as the shepherds, despite the witness of every Christmas crash you've ever seen. But in many ways, it may be just as well that Matthew's account doesn't stand the test of history, because the story of the Magi has its greatest value in its use of symbol, and Matthew, that most Jewish of our Gospels, it's frequent to point out this happened to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. What then were those wise people coming from the east, but nations coming to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn, to quote Isaiah. And although darkness shall cover the earth, it covers the earth even now, right? And thick darkness, the peoples, the Lord will arise upon you. The Lord has arisen upon us. That's what we've been celebrating these last 12 days. Christmas has happened, and now it is the work of Epiphany, the season of revealing, to interpret it. So what, in addition to the fulfillment of prophecy, did Matthew want us to know about those wise ones? At its simplest, you can think of the Epiphany story as a road trip. It's a story of curious people coming from afar, crossing boundaries in search of a transcendent kind of light, getting caught in political intrigue along the way, which it bears mentioning did not seem to impede their journey nor diminish their joy in its culmination. But neither did their encounter with that illuminated child bring a halt to all the danger surrounding his birth. Indeed, it may well have amplified it. And so, after the Magi delivered their gifts, gold and frankincense, also symbolically hearkening to our Isaiah text from from this morning, they left for their own country by another road. That is to say, they went back to where they came from, but not in the same way. Their way and ours are forever altered by the road trip. We are changed when we find the light we are seeking. At the parish my children grew up in, the rector had a long-standing tradition of bidding the congregation to leave the church, leave the sanctuary by a different door than the one they came in during Epiphany. 
Now, I'm not going to ask you to do that today. I kind of think it will create some traffic problems if we all try to go to different doors at once. But I will say that I found it to be a kind of powerful, symbolic act. So I invite you to try it sometime. Go home by a different route. And you'll be reminded of how hard it can be to break our embodied patterns. In fact, I suspect that the power that enables us to choose a new way home almost always involves a measure of grace. Grace, that unearned gift of God that gives us both the eyes to see the light and the courage to follow it. You all know what grace is. Whether you think of it in theological terms or not, grace is what allows us to imagine and to do new things. We often experience it as a kind of inner illumination that shines on new possibilities and then compels us to explore them. I once was lost, wrote slave trader turned Anglican clergyman John Newton, but now am found, twas blind, but now I see. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Apostle Paul himself was the recipient of a radically reorienting grace while on a journey to Damascus. Now, in his letter to the church in, in Ephesus, which we heard today, he wrote, grace was given to me. But Paul understood that that blinding flash of light that knocked him to the ground was not a gift given for its own sake. He wrote, grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. So that, he continues, so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities, even in the heavenly places. God made the light. Genesis assures us of that, but not just the light of the heavenly places or the star over Bethlehem, but all of the inner and outer light there is. God made us to be seekers of the lights. But the Christian tradition teaches that light-seeking is not about enlightenment for its own sake, but always for the sake of others. We seek out the light so that we may become bearers of the light and make it known to others, <laughs> whether we had set out on our journey to do that or not. And that, too, is a gift of grace. No, the certainty that what we have been given is too good not to share. And then the courage and the generosity to share it. Perhaps you found the light of Christ here at Trinity. Perhaps even in the faith practices we call uncommon warmth, holy compassion, intellectual curiosity, and deep beauty. Perhaps grace has shown you the way to embody these practices yourself through ministries of hospitality or service to the vulnerable or learning or worship. And if that is the case, leave your gifts and go out whichever door you want to. But whatever route you may take home, tell about the light you've seen along the way. Tell it to your family, to your friends, 
tell it even to the rulers and authorities because you, you may be the one, you may be the only one who can bear the light and be the light that another person needs for their homeward journey. Amen?